From the depths of our nightmares to the haunting of the witching hour. We present to you Crazy Hexy Ghoul. I'm Kelly. And I'm Arlo. So come and join us as we obsess over ghosties and shit. Did you just say ghosties and shit? Hell yeah, I did. You guys, shit's about to get real. Hey, you guys. Thanks for coming back to another episode. I'm Kelly. And I'm Arlo. And we're glad that you guys made it back. We missed you. We sure the fuck did. (laughs) So just a tiny little update. There was a little bit of issues on my part about our Patreon. I moved some stuff around. I didn't realize that you could do a $1 tier. So now you can choose from $1, $3, or $5. It's going to be great. Please support us. Yes. So head on over to patreon.com. Just search our podcast, Crazy Hexy Ghoul, and it will pop up for you. So we just want to thank you guys in advance for purchasing a tier if you decide that that's what you want to do. Now, if you purchase our $1 tier, we haven't written it yet. We're going to. We'll give you a shout out um, and say our thanks to you. We appreciate you very much. And we're willing to shout it from the fucking rooftops. So I hate to mention it again. Well, I don't hate, hate to it. mention it. Liar, I, liar. That is a lie. I love to mention <laughs> it. I feel bad for everyone listening. Um, Halloween is still coming upon us. Yeah, you know what? Okay, I just want to say this because Hocus Pocus 2 is about to drop on September 30th and I'm here for it. Hocus Pocus 2, girl. Is it going to be in theaters? No, it's going to be on Disney Plus. Holy Uh, shit. uh, We uh, should have a Disney Plus night? Yeah, and it's a Friday night. Oh my God. And we fit in a watch. Hocus Pocus too. Hell fucking yes. Yeah, I got a shirt at Target and it says, um, it's just a little bit of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> ah, I'm dying. I'm plotting. <laughs> so yes, absolutely. That's something to look forward to before Halloween. Oh my gosh, I'm so fucking excited. I Me remember ex- being excited about this last year. <laughs> Tis time, <laughs> as Winifred would say. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Halloween, um, since you brought it up, I've already decorated my house. Uh, Just the inside, though. You know, just for us. No one on the outside knows that we're freaks for Halloween. (laughs) Or they might, because we've got a few, like, skeletons in the window. Oh, nice. (laughs) No skeleton in the closet jokes, Kelly. I was actually about to say one, but you stole my thunder. Oh, my God. (laughs) Here, let me return your thunder. No, that's not what thunder sounds like. Sorry. That's perfect. This is staying in. No bloopers here. (laughs) I want to hear your joke now. Tell everybody your joke. It's not going to be funny now because you just kind of say. You can't back out now. You got to tell the joke. I was going to say at least it's not in your closet. (laughs) (laughs) You tickled my funny bone. (laughs) thank you for the pity laugh (laughs) you know what i heard something the other day because in our last episode i talked about how like i was a dad now i went to the thrift store a while back and i bought a shirt that says daddy on it (laughs) i'm a loser i'm sorry no you're not you're not Um, i'm like you're not yeah pretty much no but thank you for thinking otherwise i'm not friends with losers (laughs) are we really friends Oh my God. I know. Like you said, people don't want to hear about Halloween in September, but look, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They, they're going to want to hear about it. I feel like we're if, talk they, about it. 
I feel like if you've stuck around with the podcast and have been listening, <laughs> yeah. that you kind of know what to expect, though. Yeah. Really, but this is on you. Who's yeah, listening, it's on y'all. So. It's on you guys. But I will tell you, in October, every day in October is Halloween. I don't give a fuck what anybody else says. That's just every day in September fat. is Halloween. <laughs> And then God. it's Halloween until Christmas and Thanksgiving is Oh, my is God. <laughs> Are you fangirling over Halloween? Obviously. Kelly stands for Halloween. Mm-hmm. I do, too, but... I'm uh, a simp for Halloween. You're so- <laughs> <laughs> Should we get into this episode? Yeah, I never know how room. to, like, go into like, the story. Like, segue into it? Yeah. Well, how about I help you out? Kelly, tell me a story. All right. So, there you, you go. Are you ready for it? Here's your segue. So, our stories are about aliens. I don't think we've mentioned that yet. Nope. <laughs> We're prepared to talk about aliens and stuff. Extraterrestrial uh, life. Yeah, E.T. and shit. Mm-hmm. And UFOs. We know that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, that they were scrutinized and studied. Perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacence, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over the small spinning fragment of solar driftwood which, by chance or design, man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. Yet, across the immense ethereal gulf, Minds that are to our minds, as ours are to beasts in the jungle. Intelligence vast, cool and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes, and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. In the 39th year of the 20th century came the great disillusionment. It was near the end of October. Business was better. The war scare was over. More men were back at work. Sales were picking up on this particular evening, October 30th. The Crossley Service estimated that 32 million people were listening in on radios. So that's a quote from Orson Welles in the Mercury Theater on air. Have you ever heard of it? That's the one where they play that like sci-fi thing over the air and then like people start freaking out. Kind of like War of the Worlds type from H.G. Wells. Yes. So on October 30th, 1939, Orson Welles in his Mercury Theater on air had performed a radio adaption of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds from 1896, causing mass hysteria and panic. Fuck. Yeah. No thing. This is really intense. <laughs> I know. Have you heard it? I've heard parts of it. Yeah. Well, uh, a little bit. Yeah. That was the direct quote from the beginning of the transcript. Oh, okay. I read. This performance convinced thousands of people that there was an interplanetary conflict that had just started between us and Martians invading New Jersey and New York. Listeners believed these Martians were causing mass death and destruction. In the original War of the Worlds story, it recounts Martian invasion of Great Britain around the turn of the 20th century. The invaders easily defeated the British army thanks to their advanced weaponry, a heat ray and poisonous black smoke only to be felled by earthly diseases against which they have no immunity. The novel is a powerful satire of uh, British imperialism. The most powerful colonizer in the world suddenly finds itself colonized. Twelve minutes from the beginning of Mercury Theater, newscaster Carl Phillips, played by radio actor Frank Reddick, was concluding a rather awkward interview with Mr. Wilmoth, the owner of the farm where a meteor had landed. 
Phillips broke off his interview with an annoying, inarticulate Mr. Wilmoth by providing listeners with a detailed description of the meteor. During this description, Phillips called the listeners' attention to the mysterious sounds coming from the meteor and fought to maintain his composure as he described the incredible and horrible creatures emerging from the pit where the meteor had landed. Background sounds of angry police and confused, frightened, and milling specters provided a brilliant counterpoint to Philip's stammering narration. At this point, Philip signed off temporarily to take up a safer position from which to continue the broadcast. For what seemed like a very long time, a studio piano played Claire de Lune, filling the empty airspace. Finally, an anonymous studio announcer broke in with, we are bringing you an eyewitness account of what's happening on the Woolmouth Farm, Groves Mill, New Jersey. After more empty space, Carl Phillips returns, apparently unsure of whether he was on the air. Phillips continued to describe the monsters. The tempo of his reporting increased until Phillips was almost incoherent. In the background, the sound of terrified voices screamed and the monsters' strange fired weapons into a chaotic and hair-raising din. Then abruptly, there was dead silence. After an unbearably long period of empty airspace, the studio announcer broke in with, Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Groves Mill. Evidently, there is some difficulty on our field transmission. The segment of the broadcast lasted less than five minutes, but according to later interviews, it caused the most fright. The broadcast interrupted religious services, caused traffic jams, and clogged phone lines by listeners of the broadcast calling police and other radio stations and newspapers. Um, they called from New York, other cities in the U.S., and even Canada, asking how to protect from raids. Throughout New York, people were fleeing their homes, running to parks, packing to move. There was a block in Newark that reportedly had more than 20 families running out of their houses with towels and handkerchiefs over their faces for protection of what they believed to be a gas raid. So everyone was terrified. In the broadcast, it starts out relatively normal, then goes on about a professor at an observatory noting a series of gas explosions on the planet Mars. There, obviously, the meteor landed. And then it talks about, like, 1,500 people dying. So people, oh God. Yeah. so people were panicking. Oh, yeah, they were I'd terrified too, for sure. And keep in mind, this seems all very fantastical, and it's like, who would believe this? Yeah. But the people listening to this had just had a war scare in Europe, and this radio station regularly interrupted broadcasts with updates on international situations. Okay, so at the time, it probably didn't seem like it was out of the realm of possibility, considering it was like a legitimate radio broadcast. Right. And they were thinking, I mean, these people were probably in a state of panic most of the time anyway. Um, yeah, probably. And terrified that mm -hmm. war is going to break out at any minute. And then they hear this. Of course, they think it's the end of the world. Yeah, coming from a trusted broadcast network. Right. Pretty much. In Indianapolis, a woman ran into a church screaming, New York destroyed. It's the end of the world. You might as well go home to die. I just heard it on the radio. The services were dismissed immediately. A man in Pittsburgh said he returned home in the midst of the broadcast and found his wife in the bathroom with a bottle of poison in her hand, screaming, I'd rather die this way than like that. He calmed her, listened to the broadcast, then rushed to a telephone to get an explanation. So other than Mercury Theater's one-minute introduction, which most listeners missed, 
The station break at the middle of the broadcast and the sign-off. There were no other announcements, special or otherwise, to indicate that it was a play that was on the air, not actual announcements. Most people did not understand because they missed it. Oh, Most people missed that. Okay. Yeah, that would probably be me. (laughs) I'd be like taking a shower and everyone's like, oh my God, we're dying. I'm like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. It was actually about like after 12 minutes of airtime that most people started listening in. So most people would have missed all of that. Dang. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember when I texted you this morning and I said that I'm sorry I was going to be late that I fell down this rabbit hole? Well, it's because of this one story and it's very similar to yours. Do you want to hear it? I would love to hear it. Okay, let me get my notes. (laughs) (laughs) It's similar in the way that the fact it is about the end of time. So I came across this YouTube video by this guy named Omar Gosh TV. So it's on (laughs) YouTube.com. He's covering the story from a man who believes that he is from the year 2027 and the entire race is gone. So this guy's got a TikTok and he's posting these videos because he's trapped in 2027. Um, He posts videos of himself going around the city and he's from a big city in Mexico, which is 2.5 million people. And it's super eerie. His name is Javier and it's pretty much all in Spanish, so you can't quite really understand it. So apparently he woke up in a hospital and there was no one in sight, not a single soul. Weird. So as you know, he's walking around, he finds a calendar on someone's desk and it reads 2021. All the computers say 2027, right? Weird. Weird. Um, Super spooky. Go take a look. Go down that rabbit hole like I did. At first, people didn't really believe him because he'd like go around the city showing like all kinds of stuff. Someone's like, well, can you find a clock? We want to see like what the date is, what the time is, blah, blah, blah. People were like testing him, trying to figure out if he was quite possibly in an alternate reality or universe. Because he's the only person in 2027 in this city, this big city. Yeah. So he's just roaming to find somebody else. So he keeps posting these videos of himself. He goes into like a car dealership and there's a BMW key and he picks it up and he goes out and he tries to find who it is. Gets in the car and he drives away. And that's just his car now because there's literally nobody around. And people are like, well, maybe you just did it like at the height of the pandemic. Maybe it was like in the morning. But no, he even went out at night and there was not a single soul on the road. Like, weird. no idea. And people just, the more he posts, the more people are like, maybe he really is where he says that he is. And like, I know video editing has come a long way and you can make, you can make anything look like anything, but he even went to the airport and it shows like there's still flights and there's like a clock and it says what time it is. It's like five o'clock at night, rush hour, and there's nobody out. And it says um, 1700. So it's just like, holy shit. And I was going down this rabbit hole. Feel free to go check it out because I don't know what to believe. I'm very skeptical as of right now. But like the more this guy Omar talks about it, the more you're just like, oh my God, maybe it's possible. Maybe I, I want something weird like that to happen. And maybe my brain's like, yeah, it's possible. But that is who really- knows? Whether it's real or not, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a really good concept. Like even even if it's fake, which granted probably is. Right. It could be. I mean, yeah, absolutely. it could be real too. Yeah. We don't know. Um, I'm just waiting for someone in his family to be like, uh, Javier's making this up. Yeah. Yeah. We all still here. He just erased us all out of these videos. Yeah. I think either way, I think it's a really cool concept. And yeah. I love watching it's videos entertaining, like that. If nothing yeah. else. Right. Sure. There's um, this video of um, what's called like the back rooms. 
And this mm-hmm. guy gets basically trapped in a warehouse. Oh God! Um, like he'll oh, go thank through. You. Yeah, he'll go through a door, and then the door just disappears. That's a no from me, dog. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that creepy fucking thing. Whatever that yeah. was. Um, let's go back to the. Uh, let's go back to the episode. <laughs> Tell your next story, please. And you're freaking me out. I feel really spooked. Alternate dimensions, aliens, mm-hmm. all that stuff kind of skews me out. But Did you say skeeves me out? It does. God. Mm-hmm. Well, you tell a story from that time. You got to talk like it. Yeah. You got to talk well, like you're from that era. So. It gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Jeepers, creepers. <laughs> Where'd you get those peepers? <laughs> you want to go to the sock hop later? <laughs> do a, do a, do a. Get out your poodle skirt, ladies. I'm and your dead. Mary Janes. <laughs> Let's go dance. Let's go dance to some doo-wop tunes. Like with aliens and stuff. Yeah. Jive to that music <laughs> with the aliens. Anyway. You gotta hit that jive. Okay, please. All right. I'm please on to move on. Okay. Anyway. Um so I kind of looked into the question, like, is it even possible for aliens to exist? And I've I've been fascinated with alien stuff like my whole life. It's one of the things that creeps me out the most. Yeah. I for sure believe it's very possible for aliens to exist. Before I go on, what are your thoughts about aliens? I absolutely agree that they exist. Uh, to what capacity? That I'm not sure of. But it's really hard to believe that like we're the only creatures that exist. That's just weird to me. Outside of animals and insects and stuff like beings outside of Earth. It's just weird. I kind of agree with you. I feel the same way. I think there's something more out there. I think the truth is out there. It's upon us. <laughs> Did you ever watch uh, X-Files? Yeah. Mm-mm. I think mm-hmm. I watched one episode of X-Files when I was really, really little. You need to binge on some X-Files. Everyone out there, go binge on the X-Files. I love it. Yeah, I definitely do need to. And also, I... Julian Anderson is fucking hot. You know, X-Files- I said what I said. <laughs> X-Files is like one of the TV shows I've always wanted to watch. But never took the time to watch it. You And you have to take I the time to. to watch it for sure. I need to. One definition of life is a self-sustaining system capable of Darwinian evolution. Something that can evolve, basically. I told you one definition of life, but yeah. there's hundreds of definitions. Some astrobiologists argue that we won't know exactly what life is until we find an alternative to the basic life structure that's on Earth, like DNA, metabolism, and the carbon-based blueprint that we all have. Which makes sense. Yes. Both of the rovers, Curiosity and Perseverance, that were sent to Mars, have clearly determined that ancient Mars was significantly more wet and warm and was an entirely habitable place for microbial life. So, basically, Mars, ancient Mars was hab- possibly hab- habitable. So, po- ancient Mars was possibly habitable for microbial life. All the ingredients needed for life as we know it, the proper chemicals, a constant source of energy, and water that was likely present and stable on the surface for millions of years were present. Most people theorize that alien life does exist with just how large the universe is. Earth is a tiny fucking speck. In the grand scheme of... We are only part of one solar system and there's thousands, if not more. I'm sure there's way more than that. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, people are sometimes afraid of outer space. It's called uh, cosmic vertigo. 
I myself am pretty much terrified. Same. I don't like thinking about it. No. Um, I like understanding my own personal space. Yeah. I cannot fathom the vastness of outer space. Same. I can't Scary. fathom the vastness of the ocean. Oh my let God. Let alone no, space. No, like, yep. There is so much of the ocean that we haven't explored yet. So yeah. who fucking knows what's down there? Anyway. I know. Anyway. So many leagues under the sea and we're not able to see them or go. And I don't want to. I yeah. just don't. I don't. Yeah, I'd rather play dumb and just think that nothing is there. Yeah, I'm good. Make myself feel better. (laughs) So there is a theory called the Great Filter Theory. Have you ever heard of it? I have not, no. Basically, it speculates that if there is intelligent life, that one of two things stop them from communicating with us, that something is barring other species from interstellar travel or even interstellar communication. Okay, so prohibiting them from yes, like crossing over, crossing yes, into exactly bleeding in, I guess right. That there's some sort of filter there that's not allowing them to do that. So there's one of two possibilities. One could be that it's impossible from a technology standpoint to ever have interstellar travel or communicate. There's another possibility in this theory. The other one is because societies can't advance to that level and they kill themselves off before exploration ever starts. Oh my god. Like so think of it this way, from what I understand it. I could be completely wrong. But like humanity, for the most part, is a warring people. And it takes a lot of strive to get bigger. We're always trying to expand and go past ourselves. And part of power. Right, exactly. And Part of that, I think, is our warring nature, that we're Mm -hmm. a little aggressive, and that's why we try to explore. We try to expand. We try to get bigger. Yeah. Um, Partially, like, due to the human ego as well. Yes, exactly. Bigger, better, newer, faster, quicker. That's just how we are, I feel like, as humans. We just need more. Right. Think about that in another species. If another species was like us and wanted to expand, it is very likely they would also be warring or they would also have that aggressiveness to try to expand and get bigger. And they may also have the capacity to do that. Something that we don't have that could further advance them along. Right. Before they ever got to that point, they ended up killing themselves. So that's a possibility. Yeah. Or it could just be that we, like, it's impossible from a technology standpoint that we can never get to that because there's no science for it. That makes Um, sense. So that's a possibility. Um, Some people have said that they've seen aliens, so who knows? There's no definite proof. And my story will kind of go into that because I have a story about two people that were abducted by aliens. Yeah. And some of those stories, there's like a lot of documentation. So it's very plausible. Right. Or it's more plausible than other stories. But I mean, there's not that definite proof there, which is very unlikely if there was intelligent life. So that's kind of what people theorize. So the only other theory there is, is that intelligent life just doesn't exist, which I, I think at least there's some sort of alien life, whether it's intelligent or not, like a microorganism or something that can evolve later on. And I think they've even found like microorganisms in space that aren't on earth like a couple i mm-hmm. think i think there's three that aren't on earth they found them on like us like a space shuttle anyway yeah that's interesting fun fact <laughs> i like fun facts i'm all about the alien fun facts and the microorganisms the microorganisms <laughs> <laughs> oh yes okay so i have two stories i'm ready 
in November of 2004 off the Southern Californian coast. Now retired U.S. Navy Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich and her then commanding officer and fellow pilot David Fravor were asked by another warship to investigate radar contacts that weren't moving in an odd way. She remembered the ocean was moving in an unusual churning fashion before seeing a white oblong object resembling a large tic-tac breath mint flying at high speeds over the ocean. Fravor then turned his jet to engage with the object. It appeared to respond in a way that we didn't recognize, because it seemed to lack any visible flight control service or means of propulsion. It just kind of was going all over the place. It didn't seem like it needed to, like there was any propulsion system to it. Diedrich recalled, we don't know what it is but it could have been a natural phenomenon in human activity. But the point was that it was weird and we couldn't recognize it. This was the U.S. Navy. Mm -hmm. So they studied this and they could not figure out what it is, which is kind of scary, actually. That is the UFO sighting I have. My next story is about an alien abduction. I still can't say it. So my next story is about an alien abduction. Finally, fucking (laughs) finally. Good for you. Thank you. Aw. So on October 11th, 1973, 42-year-old Charles Hickson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker were fishing on the Pascagoula River. Out of nowhere, they heard a loud whirring sound go by and saw flashing blue lights on the water. Thinking it was police lights, they looked up only to find an oval-shaped object 10 feet high, 40 feet wide. They then noticed three creatures coming out of the craft. Now, realizing they were paralyzed, they both were helpless, but to allow the creatures to grab them with pincher-type claws and pull them towards the object, which they floated inside afterwards. Lobster aliens. Lobster aliens. I have a picture you want to see? Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Okay. This is based on Hickson's (gasps) description. No. (laughs) For fuck's sake. It looks like a fucking cryptid. I'm scared. And it probably was. I mean... Well, we don't really know, but I mean, speculate. If it is real, it would be a cryptid. Yeah. Like, what is a cryptid? Folklore. True that. Folklore of a creature. Which you can go back and listen to our uh, cryptid episode. I think it was our very first one. It was pretty dope. When looking up the description of this uh, alien, some places said it was monopedal, which means it had one limb or one foot. The description I see in like the pictures that are drawn by Hickson himself are both all bipedal. I don't think that's accurate. But I watched an interview with Hickson himself. It was, I think, back in the 80s. And he described the alien as being five foot two or five foot around that. Um, They didn't have a neck. So the head was just attached to the body. So they couldn't move. Where its nose would have been, there was just a point. They had long pointy ears and their hands... It just looked like a thumb, and all the other fingers were melded together. So it looked like a claw, had pincher-type claws, which is why they said that. Yeah. Hickson said they were subjected to a a physical examination by something that looked like a big eye, and there was a constant mechanical buzzing sound the whole time. And in the interview, it said that the eye first started up where his eyes were, and then looked him all the way down, like it was scanning him. What is documented is that Hickson and Parker both showed up at the Pascagoula Sheriff's Department, in which authorities noted that they were frantic. Then they told authorities they had been abducted by aliens, and Hickson and Parker both had puncture wounds in one arm, which is w- fucking weird. 
Yeah. Some believe at first that they were lying because they didn't want to take a polygraph test. At least Parker didn't. Hickson actually agreed to take a polygraph test, passed it all three times. So for sure, at least he believed that that's what he saw. But as you probably know, polygraph tests aren't very accurate anyway. But Parker eventually did take a polygraph test and he also passed. Man, that's creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Parker once told the media he had passed out at the beginning of the whole affair and couldn't remember what happened. He said that was the only lie he told. He said to the Sunday Herald in 2018 that in fact he did remember what happened and was so afraid that aliens had infected him with something that when he got home to the sheriff's department, he took a bath in bleach. Within a few weeks, he skipped town. He got married, picked up work in oil fields, and if someone at his job recognized him, he would quit. I would probably do the same. Yeah. Just trying to get away from the experience altogether. I like, mean, leave it behind. That's fucking traumatic. Absolutely. Right. Oh my God. Years of therapy, I feel like, is yeah. what I would need after that. Like, that's sure. so fucking invasive. Even, yeah. like, even just being taken to a normal hospital, mm-hmm. not able to move, and being subjected to medical treatment against yeah. your will yes. is fucking terrifying let alone with another species that you can't communicate Mm with um hickson on the other hand wrote a book about the encounter if hickson was trying to get rich from the story it didn't work parker told the sun herald that before hickson's death in 2011 he occasionally paid the older man's electric bill so he couldn't really afford yeah to live yeah, so he wasn't just making it up for like a quick buck. No. he It screwed him up so badly that he couldn't hold down a job and have a normal life. That's what it sounds like. Possibly. And he was kind of, I mean, he was in his 40s when this happened to him too. Mm-hmm. So how old was like he when it, he died? Let's see. He would like have been in the older. 70s, oh, okay. I guess. Okay. Um, so still affecting him then even. Yeah, it was. I think it was. So later on, Larry Booth that night went to turn off his TV before going to bed, came to the door to check to see if it was locked. That's when he saw it, an object outside. He stepped outside because he couldn't believe what he was seeing. He saw a round object with a dome with lights, and it was spinning counterclockwise over on the lake or over on the river. Then Maria Blair came out as a witness. A few other witnesses came out later on, too, telling the Mississippi Clarion Ledger that on the night in question, they saw an unidentified flying object with flashing blue lights going up and down the Pascagoula River. They said that they kept it secret all these years because they were afraid of people's reactions. I would be too. Yeah. Maria Blair stated, the story is very true. That's what bothered me for 45 years. And it's been on my mind for 45 years. It sounds like she felt bad for not speaking Mm -hmm. up that, like, we can confirm this happened. She probably saw what they went through coming out about it and that she just wanted to stay quiet and not be associated with it. I feel like that happens a lot when people witness crimes and stuff. Yeah. And are parts that they hide. They hide from those things because they're just too traumatic. They're too much. It's too hard. I get it. Right. Um, You don't want to get involved in that. No, you don't. Right. But that is the end of my story. Well, though, okay, your stories were pretty fucking dope. They always are, but today they were slightly more doper. <laughs> no, that's stupid. I'm sorry. I loved your stories. They're great. They're always great. They're they had great. some Keep good dopamine. Oh, God. <laughs> I now pass on this sword to you of dad jokes. <laughs> I will take it with a Here grateful you heart. You did great. <laughs> Thank you. 
The music in this podcast is by the band The Daddios. This is Kelly. And I'm Arlo. And you're listening to Crazy Hexy Ghoul. We'll see you next time. Is this it? Is this the end? Bye. Mm-hmm.